Welcome, welcome to the other page radio here at WBCALP 102.9 FM Boston. What a beautiful day it is. Hello, folks. We're here today and we got some interesting news to share by an interesting lady. Uh, this program is brought to you by Triad Veterans League in association with BNN Media. My name is Havel Fennell and I'm a veteran. And I'm interested in our community and what's going on. And my guest today is a good friend of mine. You may know her when I call her name, Alda Witherspoon Marshall. <laughs> Alda, good afternoon. Thank you so much for stopping in to tell us about your latest project. How you been, my friend? What a glorious day it is today, Hey, Praise the now. Lord. Amen. <laughs> Yes, indeed. You've been so busy around here. Oh, my goodness. I say, let me just slow her down a minute. <laughs> you never listen, but, I mean, you're doing so much. I'll, I'm just so happy that you took the time to come to speak to our listeners here on the Other Page Radio. And I'm looking here at a brochure that you're going to have to explain uh, when I begin to ask you the questions. But I want to commend you for such diligent work that you've been doing on behalf of our community over the years, Alda. You have been an inspiration not only to myself, but to a lot of other peoples. And that was evident the other night when we were uh, over at the Isabel Gardner Museum when they had the uh, honor honoring of Richard Taylor and what he's about over there with a new uh, director coming in for their uh, Nubian uh, Cultural Center. That's coming up. But you, my dear, have done something that needs to be done. And it is called the Get Lit. Get Lit. G-E-T-L-I-T. <laughs> and then at the top of the brochure says, Win Kids, Book Band, The Club. What are we talking about here today, Miss Witherspoon Marshall? What are we talking about, please? Ignite Your Light. Read, write, get lit. Ignite your light. Read, write, get lit. That's There's a text that's on the brochure, folks. Are they able to get this? I'm going to ask this question later on down at the um, library. Yes, indeed. So okay. we are igniting our light here in Boston with our National Literacy Project. It's a post-COVID learning crisis, uh, Haywood. You know, uh, our children are really behind the beat after <clears throat> being home for a couple of years with uh, COVID. And Harvard University did this huge study that said if we don't help them over the next couple of years get out of that pit, that the World Bank said economically, in dollars and cents, $17 trillion will be lost because many times uh, people don't catch up from this. It's, it's a real concern. It's a crisis. Right. And so what are you saying now is that the COVID pandemic has impacted the desire to read? It has impacted the learning wheel, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, our children, you learn your ABCs, you learn your phonics, then you start reading, then, you know. But the younger kids that were coming in, those four or five-year-olds, coming that are now six and seven, they're like way behind. The yeah. high school kids that should be on their way to college right now, they're behind like two years. 
And so there's this big sort of behind the wheel type of. So I want to just correct you there. Mm. Uh, The uh, the, before the pandemic, they was already two years behind. Well, our research shows that. Well, and so you know, I I just want to add that. Well, two years to them, three years. You see, exactly. So we got them five years behind, really. Well, you know what they often say: if the world catches a cold, the the black community, uh, you know, catches a virus. Yeah. So that's where we are with that. So we are, no question. Thank you for that. Uh, tell me about you starting this uh, program and about the adopt a reader part you have here. Yes, indeed. So we're launching on February twenty second during Black History Month, also Vacation Week for children at three to five at the Nubian Square branch of the Boston Public Library. Okay. So we'll be there every month uh, for. You know, the foreseeable future. <laughs> it's a series um, in which we focus on black authors. You know, but I just want to say uh, to our listening audience about this work that Alda is doing. She is very tenacious, folks, an outstanding organizer. And this particular topic is what we need to be hearing more about. If we can't read, we can't compete. Mm. And if we can't compete, we're going to cheat. We're going to look for shortcuts. We can no longer allow the public school system just to put a computer in front of our children and take away the humanity that is associated with learning as when it comes to literacy. This is a great program that Older Marshall will be starting on February 22nd at the Nubian Public Library. And she's going to be there every month thereafter. Of course, she's going to be traveling, too. But I think that this is something that we all need to embrace and learn more about it because this brochure says a lot about what this program is and who Older Marshall is and what she's doing in our community. Older, can you share a little bit about the Adopt-A-Reader that you have here? Yes. So as part of this initiative, we are also coupled with the black bookstores. We're following Oprah Winfrey's Guide to 127 Black-Owned Bookstores Across America as part of this initiative. Mm -hmm. And in doing so, the books that we purchase— uh, through our Adopt-A-Reader program, will come directly from the black bookstores. Here in Boston, it would be Frugal Books in Nubian Square. Okay. Well, you said 127 bookstores that you'll be following Oprah's uh, guide. So if you did, let's say, 130, then Oprah will be following your guide. <laughs> Just want to get that in there, the Marshall. Understand what I'm saying? Listen, it's called so the, follow the leader. <laughs> yeah, right. That's right. Right. Uh, can you tell me about the thought that what made you do this? Out of the many things that you do, what made you do this particular piece? Is this a part of another one of your programs? It is. Okay. But before we go further, I do want to explain in detail what the Adopt a Reader program is. I appreciate is. that. Indeed. So the angels support the children of when through the Adopt-A-Reader program. The Angel? Uh, the Angels. So mm. the program is called WINGS, 
And there's four levels of angel. The first angel is an archangel. The second, guardian angel. The third, earth angel. And the fourth is a messenger angel. The messenger angel is a reader and an outreach um, ambassador. Uh, they read to the children. They talk about, uh, you know, this post-COVID learning crisis in the media. They talk to their friends and their social clubs. The earth angel supports the children by helping us buy the books for the children each month. These books are quite beautiful. They're top of the line. They're color. They're, you know, hardcover in many cases. And it's part of our building a library at home because what we found through our studies is that when a child has a wealth of books in the home, they actually do read them quite often. And they uh, not only affects their present day, but it generally affects their future because they begin to learn about astronauts. They begin to learn about school teachers. They begin to learn about librarians. They learn about other different professions as well as a historical perspective as well. Because one of the things that we will feature, of course, um, our launches in Black history, but every month we'll be focused on Black history leaders and Black history in general. So the Earth Angel um, would donate $25 a month, the Guardian Angel $50 a month, and the Archangel $100 a month. The um, more that um, we can get the angels to participate, and we are looking for 3,000 angels uh, for the next year. We're hoping to raise $2.1 million. Um, but we not only do the books um, on site, but we take them on field trips. They'll learn how to write poetry. They'll um, participate in plays. They'll also go to plays. So it's more about bringing these books to life. So it's word, it's vocabulary. It's camaraderie, it's about uh, fellowship, and it's also about a national campaign to get this conversation going about this post-COVID learning crisis. Because although it's in the back of people's minds, it's not really in the forefront of their mind. And we're trying to get that uh, conversation going uh, through the other cities that will participate in the Get Lit Project. What is your contact information? Uh, so my contact information well, is program. is eight four four Win Arts. So okay. that's W I N A R T S. All right, thank you for that. Yes, thank you, folks. Our guest today is uh, Miss Alden Witherspoon Marshall. She's here talking about get lit. We'll be right get back. Lit. I'm Chris Jackamick. I served in the United States Air Force and I deployed three times. Being a veteran, it's interwoven into your DNA is really the absence of the connection and the purpose that can really drive a lot of veterans to some uh, negative thoughts. For those who are in a suicidal crisis, the window of time to save somebody's life is very short. Our duty is to protect ourselves and protect our families. And one way you can do that is store your weapons safely. Store all your guns securely. Help stop suicide. Brought to you by End Family Fire and the Ad Council. Are you a veteran who is struggling with their housing due to COVID-19? Veterans Inc. can help provide support services, including assistance with rent, deposits, utilities, as well as emergency housing to eligible struggling veterans. If you or someone you know is in need of services, please call 1-800-482-2565 or go online to www.veteransinc.org. 
Are you a veteran or do you know a veteran who is struggling with housing due to COVID-19? Veterans Inc. can help provide support services, including assistance with rent, deposits, utilities, as well as emergency housing, including hotel stays to eligible struggling veterans. If you or someone you know is in need of services, please call 1-800-482-2565 or go online to www.veteransinc.org. Again, this is The Other Page Radio. My name is Haywood Fennell. This program is on WBCALP 102.9 FM. Boston. just another community note that uh, tomorrow uh, there will be a Mass General Hospital van at 115 Malcolm X Boulevard in front of the Metro Boston Alive building where they will make themselves available to do tests of all kinds, including get your blood pressure checked, get your COVID uh, information. That'll be there tomorrow from like 12 on, uh, 115 Malcolm X Boulevard. Uh, It's open to anybody just because the way things are going now, folks, you know, uh, our guest today was talking about the deterioration of literacy among our children as a direct result of the pandemic. And so she's here today, Alder Witherspoon Marshall of the Witherspoon Institute. What is the Witherspoon Institute, Alder? So the Witherspoon Institute started 17 years ago in the name of my grandfather, Albert L. Witherspoon. That gentleman was a business person in Little Rock, Arkansas in the 20s and 30s. He owned his own hotel, gas station, newspaper. Uh, What else did he have? He had a nightclub and he had a dry cleaning service. And on the other side of town, he was the maitre d' at the finest hotel, the Albert Pike, where he mingled with governors and mayors and all kind of people. But during that time in Little Rock, it was the precursor to... um, Las Vegas, just outside of town at Hot Springs, where all of the uh, baseball clubs like the Red Sox would come. Uh, Spring training was born um, in Hot Springs uh, before it went down to Florida. And so in this place called Hot Springs, just out of Little Rock, it's like 45 minutes, uh, all of the uh, black and white uh, mafia used to go there because it was called the Land of Peace. Uh, based off of the Indians when it was called the Valley of the Vapors. So all of the Indians used to walk from across America to Hot Springs um, before um, colonization, and they would powwow there, um, and they would come to peaceful terms in the Crystal Caves. And then as time moved on, um, the mafia came and, you know, began began to have their powwows there. Uh, so if they had a beef in Chicago or New York or whatever, when they went to um, Hot Springs, you know, you had to knock that off and, and you had to, you know, act cordial. So there in Hot Springs, um, my grandfather used to go and uh, have his vacation uh, from all of the things that he did in Little Rock. So the, the story, um, the novel that I wrote on him, uh, you know, speaks in length about, you know, he and his brothers and sisters. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it was based off of um, my grandfather, uh, Albert L. Witherspoon, who was very particular because he was in the hotel industry about fine dining, about, you know, um, 
being courteous. So the Witherspoon Institute uh, teaches leadership, social and business etiquette, as well as arts development. Uh, We teach our children how to sing, dance, act, direct, and produce. So that's the foundation of the Witherspoon Institute. But the Get Lit program is part of our strategic leadership investment plan, which we tend to take on projects of national or international proportions. The first time we did it was around the Haitian um, earthquake crisis when we did Raise Your Hand for Haiti. And we started off at the Boys and Girls Club with a quilt-making project that grew into a statewide project with Simon Mall, who sponsored us to go to all the malls. And then that went pretty well. And then I said, we need to take this to another level. And I said, let's go to the United Nations. So it ended up being an international project where seven of the top Haitian cities came, uh, three continents came. We had, you know, France, we had Haiti, we had Canada. Um, Mayor uh, Dinkins was our keynote speaker. And we had a two-day summit. Uh, the children had a portion on day one, and the second day was an international prayer breakfast. Great. Thank you so much for all of that information. Yeah. Boy, I'm telling you, you know, <laughs> there was no grass under your feet. <laughs> you know, but getting back to the Get Lit, that's why you're here today. Yes. We want to thank you for the information about your granddad being an entrepreneur and concerned about his people, et cetera, because— you know, we always want to know where a person starts off and can probably project where they're going to end up. And you're in a high-profile position to get this program off the, off the ground. You've already told us about the uh, February 22nd where I'm invited to speak. And I want to thank you for that because one of the things that I stress is learning. And you cannot learn if you can't read. You know, earlier you mentioned... Uh, College students, and you know, I'm a college graduate, and I don't. I, I went to UMass Boston. I got my degree there, and one of the things that I noticed, Aldo, is that you're right. Our college students not even reading on the level that they're supposed to, and I think that's reflected when you ask them what is their major. You know, it's nothing in the sciences. It's always something to do with, and I'm not down in this, their choices of sociology and and things like that. But, you know, we need a little more. So this Get Lit is right on time to try to bring people into the, the light so that you can ignite reading and writing. I think that's a great title, too, by the way. Uh, ignite Your Light, Read, Write. Oh, my goodness, you're so poetic. I'm telling you. I love the books that are... How did you come about deciding which books to uh, to put on this brochure, please? Well, I want to focus on black authors. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the things that we're celebrating black voices in America with mm-hmm. Gate Lit as we raise awareness and create and support reading programs throughout the U.S. Uh, we are um, focused on five cities this year. Uh, that would be Boston, New York, Little Rock, Chicago, and Atlanta. So each month we'll bring on a new city to join in our national effort. So Boston begins February. Uh, New York will come on in March. And Little Rock will come on in April, Chicago in June, and Atlanta in May. So each month um, we're tying together through BNN TV, who, by the way, is a sponsor. Um, we're doing uh, a filming of it. And then online the children will all be connected through Zoom. 
And in each of those cities, we're having a focus on books. So we'll have a DJ there. Um, We'll have a guest speaker such as yourself, um, February 22nd here in Boston. We'll have a storyteller, Valerie Stevens, is going to come and do some storytelling. You know, and we'll have different uh, showcases on uh, children activities such as um, Four Star Dance Studio will come and do a dance performance. So we want to do a celebration around books, and all of those will be based off of themes um, of books. The That's Not My Name project that we are working with stages cultural arts and out there in Randolph, my, my goddaughter, Sophia Hayes Caldwell. But I cannot say how inspired I am to be able to go out of town and make this speech for literacy and now to be invited to participate in the event on February the 22nd with the Get Lit Project is really, I mean, I'm getting ready to get known around here. No, brother. You know everybody knows they went around here. I'm trying to tell y'all something. I'm so so flattered. (laughs) I am indeed humbled by the opportunity. Let me tell you something. You know, uh, Mary McLeod Mathune was a, she was a great lady, and she went on to uh, establish a college, Don Cook, I believe it is, in Florida. And there were so many children in her family that they had to decide who was going to go to school, and she was the one they picked. Well, now. And I know that the work that she's done is reflected in how she speaks about education. And the most important step in getting educated is learning, sharing what you learn from the book. That's why Get Lit is here today to reemphasize the importance of learning how to read. Yes, indeed. And the manner that she's doing this project She's starting right off in Boston, okay? She's starting it in Boston. We got to get behind this program. Come on, Boston. We got to get in there. Get lit. We're not unfamiliar with what's going on in our schools. And to have someone to start a program that focuses on reading the books of black authors, One more thing I want to tell you here. Frederick Douglass learned to read under harsh conditions, and if he got caught learning to write and read, it's no telling what they would have done to him. But he took a chance Mm. because he wanted to be free. Mm -hmm. He wrote his own pass to freedom with the knowledge that when he was stopped or intercepted by a white person, they would he would present the note, and they knew he didn't write no note. <laughs> he wouldn't have the audacity to read, mm. to write. Mm. This lady here today is a re is is a reincarnation of Frederick Douglass's path to freedom. Mm-hmm. She is struggling with her program to get it off the ground because she wants us to be able 
to write our own pastors to freedom by literacy. Get lit. Let me get that number again, please. Yes, sir. 844-WIN-ARTS, A-R-T-S. So it says here, it says, Win Kids Book Band D-Club. Mm-hmm. And you're going to be where? At Nubian Square, Boston Public Library, on February 22nd, 3 to 5 p.m. 3 to 5 p.m. She's going to be there. Oh, can you tell us a little bit more? about, you know, your involvement and other community activities that brought you to see the light when it comes to reading? Well, as you may know, I am a poet laureate from the city of Boston for 20 years. I was director of public and private partnerships in the mayor's office for 10 years. I was director of park arts for the Boston Parks and Recreation for seven years. I worked for the state for six years in human resources so I have a wealth of background in terms of the arts, in terms of being a public art director, as well as community engagement, involvement, developing programs and projects. So I like to take the skills that the city was kind enough to uh, and, and encourage me and uh, help me build over the years to the community uh, so that, uh, you know, our children will grow and learn and become solid citizens in this here United States. I'm I'm really appreciative of your vision because we share some similarities. You're also a playwright. I am a playwright. I'm a playwright, a poet, a singer-songwriter. I've been doing a couple of things around here. All of those things have to do with literacy. Yes, 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 yes. So you can't do any of those things, uh, folks, if you're not able to read and understand what you're reading. Indeed, indeed. My mother used to make me read the Boston Globe to her, and I would have to read the story from top to bottom. If I didn't understand a word, I had to go get this 10-pound dictionary. The thing was bigger than a chair, I swear. That thing was huge, and it had about every word in the world in there, or so I thought. Mm -hmm. In any case, and she'd have me look up the word, and more than that, she would make sure I comprehended what the story was saying. Right. Now, let Comprehension me you, is everything. Let me tell you about my mother in reading. I had a little red chair. Mm-hmm. She told me, get the chair. When I got the red chair, I had to have a book in my hand. Mm-hmm. And my mother had MS. Yes. But she knew, she knew like your mother did, all the, the importance of learning to read. Yes, sir. Because parents need to be more than ever conscious of the importance of reading. So when you mention the big dictionary, my mother, when I got to a word that I couldn't pronounce, she sent me to get the big dictionary, which was a pocket dictionary, a Webster pocket dictionary. Well, and any, I would any have dictionary to read. will do. Right. I had to find that word. Yes. And read the definition. Yes. And that's how I began to Really, really build my vocabulary. And at the time, I just thought I was learning a word. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure that the rest of your family got the same treatment. Indeed, indeed. From it, your mother. Oh, and everybody read in my family. I mean, we had Jet Magazine. We had Ebony Magazine. We had Dime Store Novels. We had, 
You funny know, books, funny books. Funny books. We had Archie, Archie books, the comic books. We had every kind of book known to man in my house. We right. we were readers. Right. And the thing about it is that we can do it again. That's right. We can do it again. We we about to let's do it again. You remember the, the staple singers? Mm-hmm. Let's do it again. Yes, well, indeed. Look, let's get lit okay. again. <laughs> let's get lit again. And I don't mean lit. Figuratively, I mean literature. Yes. Literature. Yes. Hey, you know, when I learned how to say literature, I thought I was top flight. <laughs> I'm telling tell you something. Because I was, a, I was a champion of word, of learning words. Listen, you always teaching me a new word, and I'm pretty doggone good. Not too many people can roll up on me with a word I never heard before. And, but uh, it, on a, every occasion, I uh, learn a new word from you, Haywood Fennell. I, I'm here today, folks, to welcome my good friend, the founder of an extension of her program of the Witherspoon Institute, Alta Witherspoon Marshall, is here today to talk about getting literature of black authors. That is so wonderful. Black authors going to 127 bookstores to take the word. And believe me, I'm hoping, Alda, that this production today, which is on WBCALP Boston, Boston's community radio station, because our literature needs to be read by our children. That's right. By our children and their parents. Yes, sir. I had a position, and I went to school for one year studying uh, mental health and substance abuse disorders. And my internship was in the the sheriff's department at the jail here in Boston. And I got to tell you, one of the reasons why they are all messed up is because they can't read. Mm, mm, mm. So we got a wonderful day. We had a wonderful interview. We want to thank Alder Marshall Witherspoon for coming in. Yes, yes, get yes. Get lit, get lit. Don't <laughs> quit. Thanks so much. This is me. Take a little small break, and we'll be right back. Back with the other page radio, we had a wonderful guest. She does a lot of work, boy. She's an amazing lady, man. That's all I could tell you. Folks, I want to bring you up to date on the Oscar Michelle Family Theater Program Company. We're presently uh, looking to uh, audition uh, some singers, female singers, yes, and one, one male singer. We are looking for someone to play the part of Ethel Waters, fantastic lady, fantastic singer. I'll give you a description of the, the part, the role. Ethel Waters is a young lady between the ages of 22 and 32. 
you know, some people that can be 40 and look 32, so don't let the chronological age that I mentioned keep you from coming out to the Blackstone Community Center on uh, February the, uh, let me see, February the 2nd at 6.30 at the Blackstone Community Center's auditorium. We're located at 50 West Brookline Street, and we're there from 6.30 until 8 o'clock. Uh, 857-204-5312, contact number. We are planning to be at the Regent Theater in Arlington in March. Thank you so much for that. Really looking forward to uh, folks folks uh, being a part of the Oscar Michelle Family Theater Program Company. We want to produce the best productions around our history that we can. So we're looking forward to your uh, participation in our audition. And remember, more to be revealed about where we will be appearing. We got some spoken word added to the script, and we are ready to entertain and educate because that's what we do using our history. The Harlem Renaissance era was a blooming time for America's culture because we are Americans, and I am a veteran, proud to say now. And this is the Other Page Radio, WBCALP 102.9 FM Boston, Boston's community radio station. And moving right along, you know, I want to go back to the situation in our community regarding uh, the health situation. You know, uh, veterans, they have uh, programs for prevention, etc. over at the VA hospital in Jamaica Plain. I want you to check those folks out over there if you feel like you need some health care. We also want to thank Whittier Street Community Health Center for their uh, participation with their veterans program and uh, their number, 617-427-1000, to give you a list of their services. Uh, and they do a lot of work. They do a lot of work as as that's what they want to do, you know, because we want to be able to get over this pandemics. I say pandemics, plural, because it seems as though... Uh, Every other month, there's something else, a new kind of variant that's coming out, etc. So, you know, on a lighter note, I want to also uh, let folks know that I'm writing again in terms of my books, and uh, we want to help people write, especially veterans. You know, if you're interested in being a part of the Veterans Reading Brigade, uh, again, 857 204 Five three one two. We go uh, into the schools, after-school programs, rather, and work with kids around mentoring and talking about literacy and its importance. See, you know, you can't do anything if you can't read. A family that reads together learns together, you know, and that's so important. That is so important. Remember what I told you earlier 
about Frederick Douglass writing his own past to freedom. What past will you write for your freedom? Because you're not free if you don't know how to read. You're not free if you don't know how to explain what you're reading and understand what you're reading at the same time. To have a conversation. I'm so looking forward to my television program coming up on February the 1st, the other page television, uh, when we will have guests from the uh, Boston Boys and Girls Club talking about new project that we have coming up called That's Not My Name, and it deals with the importance of not using racial and ethnic slurs when we communicate with each other and understanding why we shouldn't do that. See, a lot of people don't understand those terms that were used were used like terrorist terms. It frees those people to stop. It was degrading terms, and now they've turned it all around and said, it's cool to do that, but it's not. It's not cool to use a racial slur, the N-word. You see it all the time. Uh, people are having conflicts around that. And so we want to be involved in problem-solving when it comes to literacy and using various idioms to describe each other. That'll be happening. We're going to be talking more about that and all the other activities that we're involved in. And I would be remiss if I didn't talk to you all about the punishing effects of the Criminal Offenders Records Identification, also known as the Corey Law. The Corey Law is a law that's a little over 50 years old that came in under the Weld Administration, I believe, that reports out on a person's background if he or she has ever been arrested, and they use that information to not give you a job, not give you a place to stay, or not give you an education. And that is double jeopardy if you have already spent time in incarceration. Why should you still have to tell people about your mistakes that might make you make more mistakes in the future if you're not able to get a job, a place to stay, or get an education? And if you notice, the last election, uh, statewide, locally, and before that, that election, they never talk about Corey reform. They never speak about Corey elimination. And they should. Because what the Corey law does, it excludes people that have been adjudicated by doing their time that was passed out or their sentence. Some of the people that have quarries are still penalized and have to pay fines to the court for the crime that they went away for. And among those people are a lot of veterans who have had problems coping because of their military experience as in war. When you get out of discharge from the United States military under honorable conditions or 
dishonorable condition. You're not uh, programmed to be debriefed about your experiences in the military. So when you come out into the community, you're still uh, unable to cope. Unable to cope. Nobody knows it. You look the same in a lot of ways, but you're not the same. Because war and the threat of war and serving in a system that is about war, afraid that you might be called to go to the areas where there's combat, hostile situations. You thinking about that and you young and everything. A lot of those people began to drink alcohol, other substances that were called illegal in those countries and became addicted. Many of those people that became addicted were kicked out of the military, but then later on, a medical decision was made to say that substance abuse is not something that you would want to kick a person out of the military. It is treatable. It is treatable. And so now people are beginning to get their discharges, uh, what we used to call bad paper, updated so that they can get the medical and the other benefits that the United States government denied them because of their illness, which was and is substance abuse and mental health disorders. It is very important that you help the veterans by speaking up, standing up, and speaking out because the veterans have served and right now they need to be served. They need help. Roxbury is in Boston and it is in District 7, the VA hospital is in Jamaica Plain. And right now, the VA hospital is being reconfigurated, and the services are being moved further away from Roxbury to a place called West Roxbury VA Hospital. A lot of veterans are older veterans and have some Alzheimer's and dementia issues, and they are not getting the attention to be served that they need. What about having a comprehensive veterans service center in Roxbury that also includes housing and opportunities to get involved for workforce development? so that they can have an earned income. Everybody is talking about closing the Tillmany School, or they're not talking about it, and nobody knows what is the status of the Tillmany School. I know that it is closed, and I have a problem with closing schools, and our kids can't read, as our guests earlier talked about. However, if you don't say anything, if you don't stand up and demand to know what is going on, 
with our veterans and not serving them in the manner that they should be. If you looked at the January 6th situation where the United States Capitol was being attacked, you could see people that were veterans by the way that they moved, by the way that they was climbing that wall, by the regalia that they were wearing, uh, indicating that they had military experience. We need to be cognizant of the importance of serving our veterans' community and their families. We need in Roxbury a committee of veterans and community leaders to demand from the new governor that she look into why the mayor of Boston and her group would even think about closing the Tillman School in our community in the shape that we are in. I want to thank the leaders in the community that are advocating for better services for our veterans, such as Malcolm Wynn, the president of Roxbury Action Program, Otis Steele, a businessman, entrepreneur, who is working with Roxbury Action Program, and they have this program to build and connect community organizations that will stand and sustain this need for changing in our community. I don't have any numbers to give you today in terms of who to get in touch with, like the Office of the Secretary of Veterans Affairs for the Commonwealth of Massachusetts or to the Office of the person at Boston City Hall that chairs the Veterans Committee. And the president of the Boston City Council, Ed Flynn, is a veteran. There are a lot of veterans out there that don't get involved with veterans because they might have $2 over lunch money. But let me tell you something. We all need to stand with the veterans because they've been there, male and female. And we should not forget them or their families. Veterans are not political pawns nor beggars. We're just asking for what is fair and what is right for ourselves and for our family members. I know without even being told what the number is that at the mass and cash tragedy location around Suffolk County House of Correction that there are veterans in there. And I know and you know that that should not be because this is America, the United States of America, who just decided to share $45 billion to maintain a war where people are killing each other, Ukraine and Russia. Russia has lost supposedly over 150 thousand people. Why can't some of that money be appropriated for veterans' needs? Veterans are homeless. Veterans 
are being pushed aside, and we need to address that. And we need to stop saying that it's not your concern and say it's somebody else's concern. It is all our concerns. We must stand together or fall together. This is the Other Page Radio. And my name is Haywood Fennell, and I just want to thank my listeners for being here today. I want to thank my earlier guest, Alder Marsha Witherspoon from the Witherspoon Institute and what she's doing with Get Lit. Remember, February 22nd at the library in Nubian Square is where we will be in support. Thank you so much, and have a great day.